0: Brilliant, 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 brilliant. It's Great time of worship. It's great to see how much is happening in the life of the church. It's good to be a part of a vibrant, active church community. It's great to have great testimonies of what God is doing. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really good to be a part of such a wonderful and growing and developing church. I'm um, just going to quickly pray just before I start, before I get to God's word. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word, which sets us free. We thank you, Lord, that when we read your word, we're reading you, we know you, we're getting to know you, we're growing in you, Lord. the Father, Holy Spirit, we pray, as we read your word, let there be an illumination in our hearts, a transformation of our minds, and a weightlessness to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, we're in the preaching series, Joseph, Dream to Destiny, it's been a really Challenging one um, because it really speaks to the heart of dreams and destinies given to each one of us as we walk this journey of life. So I'm going to recap not the whole story of Joseph, but just a small part as it leads into his next um, positioning in prison. So a quick recap is we meet Joseph after he's been wrongfully accused by Potiphar's wife. She claimed that he tried to sleep with her forcefully. He's now in prison, the king's prison that Potiphar runs because he's the commander of the king's guard. So we meet Joseph in this situation, being put into prison wrongfully. So let's understand a bit more through scripture what happened before he got placed into prison. We'll turn to our Bible, Genesis 39, 20 to 23. You're on the screen or you can read it And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And whatever He did, the Lord made it succeed. So this is the, almost like the prelude before you know um, he was put into prison, but also it's kind of like the overarching um, understanding as well, that God's favor was with him. And God allowed Joseph to go into prison. And I believe for two points, quick points we're going to um, touch on in this part of him being placed in prison. One was to learn the skills and also experience the difficulties needed to hold his future position. At times we are placed in the difficulties and hard micro prisons of life, situations that are difficult, in order for us to be successful in almost that final place, that destiny place where God has for us. We need the skills to learn along the journey and the difficulties to mold and shape us, to bring us to that final position. Joseph, it seemed, had to go through the ditch, to the slave market, to Potiphar's wife, to the prison, Potiphar's wife, sorry, uh, Potiphar's house, to the prison, and the story continues until he gets to his final position. But each one, when he was in the ditch, when he was in the slave market, when he was in Potiphar's house, the situation with Potiphar's wife and the prison was all places for him to learn his skills and the difficulties to mold and shape him for that future destiny. That's him being placed in prison. So now we've got a lot of reading to do. So let's get reading all together. We're not going to read it together out loud, but let's get reading. Genesis 41, 223. To understand the fullness of this portion of scripture. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker and he put them in a custody in a house of the captain of the guard, in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody, and one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with his own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers, who were with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, we have had dreams and there was no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream, there was a vine before me. And on the vine, there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh and so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews and here also I've done nothing that they should have put me into this pit when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head and in the uppermost basket, there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree and the birds will eat the flesh from you. On the third day, which Pharaoh, um, on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Sometimes we find ourselves in unfavorable positions. The first title I've got for this section is position in prison. Unfavorable locations we can find ourselves in at times. But we must understand that God's favor is with us. That prelude before we understood what Joseph went through in prison was God telling us that his favor was with Joseph. His favor was upon Joseph. And we can liken that to our own personal situations, can't we? Like your workplace, maybe a very hard, unsavory, and morally challenging environment. Sometimes you're thinking, well, you know what? Let me just escape here and go and apply for another job elsewhere. I'm surely God doesn't want me in this rotten place. But I think what we have to understand from Joseph's situation was we must be concerned with what God is doing. You see, he wasn't sulking. He wasn't whining or whinging about his, his position. He was using it to understand what was God saying to him about what is to be done with the people around him. He was, con- he was, um, he was concerned with interpreting other people's dreams. He was concerned with God's work. Sometimes it could be your marriage. It's like a dividing atmosphere that you've got different opinions. You don't agree with each other. And right now it feels like your marriage is a place of like a prison. I want to go this way, they want to go that way. And you're fighting, and you're arguing, and you're challenged by each other's strong wills. You have to understand that even in that environment, God's favor is upon you. I think it has to do with our recognizing of his favor, understanding where his favor is, more than it has to do with your favor actually being there. God's favor is with you in your difficult work, and it's also with you in your rocky marriage. His favor will bring you through. Let's see. Let's look into scripture to understand our foundations of how we stand. Romans 8:28, And it says this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. It's amazing, isn't it? Those who love God. There was a sense of Joseph, he loved God. And there was also a sense that he was called according to God's purpose. So all things in the prison, in the pit, in the slave market will work out to good because that's God's promise. So we often find ourselves in these challenging situations in work, in marriage, in life, wherever we may be. And we want to leave, we want to get out. We want to get to where it's easier. This is too tough. Contrary, we must stand. Because God is working out his favor in your situation for his glory. So we must be concerned on how we can serve God in the position where we've been placed. These prisons, these micro prisons that we're involved in all of our personal lives, they're difficult, they're hard. But God wants to show his favor, his light and his life in those situations. Sometimes you're rightfully there, sometimes through error or sin. But sometimes you're wrongfully there, being accused of something you didn't do stand. All things work together for good. That's his promise. So you can either choose to run and apply for another job and take things into your own hands. Joseph could have lied his way out of prison. Joseph could have tried to escape our prison. Mm -mm. He was concerned with the father's business. How can I interpret dreams and do good in this position of prison? I'll give you a personal example. Um, So so for 10 years, I've been um, um, running the cake business with my wife. And it has been incredibly risky. Every year is so unpredictable. I don't know what's coming around the corner, genuinely. You cannot forecast to the next month from the month before. Birthdays, sometimes they want to repeat their birthdays, sometimes they don't. Some people have significant numbers like, you know, 18, 21, 3, whatever it may be. Some don't do it as frequently as possible. Weddings happen as and when lockdown there's so many different things it's very volatile we've got numerous unofficial competitors you know after lockdown i mean me and my wife looked and we saw a surge of instagram bakers and it was like whoa how do we how do we compete with a premises and all of the licenses that we need to have with people that don't have to have that very tough and at times in this inconsistent industry that we're involved in bills are consistent They don't relent. Oh, it's been a difficult week for you, so we'll see you next month. No, month after month after month, over 10 years, we have had to pay our bills. But when there's no money, how do you pay the bills? And it's very easy for us to go, you know what, let's shut up shop. Let's be done with this. Let's forget about it and move on. We're in the prison of our bakery at times. There's times when it's, it's life, there's so much things happening, and then there's times when it's dry and barren. It's like, what is going on here? But we must realize God's faithfulness through it all. There was a time where um, I was praying in the morning. I was like, Lord, what's going on the bakery? I'm like, help me and so forth. And gave me a scripture. And then was going to the supermarket that very same morning. And I remember walking into the supermarket, this lady in the front, handing out um, postcards. I don't like to be bothered in the street, no matter what it is. I don't just leave me alone. I like to A to B. But for this reason, I stopped and I took the postcard from her. And as I turned around to read it, it was exactly the same scripture I had in the morning when I was praying. It was amazing. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Last year, March, that's the scripture that came. And it helped us weather the storm of coming out of lockdown and into an unpredictable year. He said, fear not, Charles. And I believe that scripture is for us today. That scripture could have been for Joseph in that moment, even though it was written way after. It could have been for him in that moment. Fear not, Joseph. I am with you. Be not dismayed that you're locked in prison. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is not some famous person saying this. This is the Lord God of heaven and earth. What a great promise and strength and foundation that we can hold on to. And me and my wife did, and God has been extremely faithful. So regardless of your position position in prison, hold firm to God's truth and his foundation. We're going to go into our next part, power in prison. So how can we have God's favor in the prisons of life, our little micro moments? We all have our own individual challenges in life. How can we have God's favor in our prisons of life? I don't believe we acquire God's favor like Joseph had a special anointing on his life through his life. We have it through Jesus Christ. If we've given our life to the Lord, our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Ghost, amazing relationship with the Lord. We have his favor. It's not a work of our own. We don't work for God's favor. It's a gift that he gives to us. We look at, it translates, the word favor is grace. The grace of God is a gift. No one can boast about it, he's given it to us. So how does it work when we look at Joseph's life and us who are under the the covenant of Christ? We need to learn to recognize his favor. Find out how it flows. Learn to be thankful to the favor in which God is showing to your life every day. I mean, each one of us are sitting here today. That's his favor to be alive. You took a breath this morning. That's his favor. We can see, we can hear, we can taste, we can touch. That's his favor. We're in the land of the living. We're walking in our families and enjoying conversations. That's his favor. We need to understand how to recognize God's favor because his favor is flowing to you under the covenant and under the re- reality of being saved through Jesus. But at times we don't see it is because our relationship lacks with the Lord, so it becomes a bit fuzzy. Our frequency is off. It's like trying to find a dial in a radio. It's like you're trying to find it, but you can't. It's like the static around you. So we need to let him in constantly. So let's read in scripture, again, let's get our foundations right. Let's read in scripture where it says it, Revelations 3 verses 20. Behold, oh, it's a beautiful scripture. Just think of Jesus saying this to you right now. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, actively engages, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Wow, that's Jesus extending his hand in relationship with you. So in the prisons of your life, in the difficulties of your life, in those circumstances, marriages, workplace, um, parenting, whatever it may be, he's saying, come in. I will suck with you and you with me. We'll eat together. We'll have a relationship together. And through that relationship, I will give you the power to succeed. Now, let's look at in Joseph's life. In Joseph's relationship, he was bold, wasn't he? He could have cowered away and said, you know what? Let me just go into the corner over here and just apply my trade and leave everyone alone. No, Joseph was bold because of his constant walk with the Lord. Joseph and the Lord, they ate together in a relationship. They spoke with one another. It was a consistency of Joseph letting the Lord into his day, letting the Lord into his life. It was consistently knock, knock. Yes, Lord, come in. Knock, knock. Yes, Lord, come in. Wherever it may be, Lord Jesus, you are most welcome in, because your relationship is what I need. He knew God. He knew how he worked, and he knew who he was. And that's why he boldly said in Genesis 40, verses 8, they said to him, we have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. I mean, that was a bold statement in a prison. Who is going to interpret our dreams almost? And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell them to me. Look at at that parallel. They belong to God, but tell them to me. That must have been a relationship like, I will tell you what God is saying because I have a relationship with God. He was bold in that relationship. It's wonderful to see. Joseph knew he belonged to God. So my question to you, my friends, is do you know you belong to God? God shared with him because they were in a constant and good relationship. So where has our confidence in our walk with Jesus vanished to? Do we have that confidence to say, healing in your workplace, someone's sick, healing belongs to the Lord? Tell me what your sickness is and in faith I'll pray for you that God may see healing. Someone who's lost and can't find a way is finding it very difficult. Truth belongs to the Lord. Tell me what it is, and I will speak the truth to you in your situation. I will pray with you. Is our lack of boldness a reflection of our relationship with God? Remember that time when you gave your life to Jesus. Most people can rec- um, kind of relate to this. The fire. In your heart, it was like, I'm going to tell everyone. You told your parents, you told your, your siblings, you told your friends. You didn't care who it was. You are just on fire for Jesus. Like, my life has been changed. There is a change within me. Great is God. That fire, that boldness. You didn't care who you stood in front of. Can you look at yourself in the mirror today and say that same boldness is there? Has it been crusted over? Has it become dry? Has become stagnant? Can we say with boldness, this belongs to the Lord, tell me and I will tell you what he says. Do we know his word strong enough to say, tell me and I will tell you what his word says. It's a challenge for all of us today. Peter walking on water, is that you Lord? It is I Peter, come. And he stepped out the boat and he stepped onto the Sea of Galilee. If he stayed on the boat, his faith would have been nothing. He had to act in that faith because of relationship with Jesus. They thought it was a ghost until he spoke. It's amazing. Relationship with God is our power in our prisons. In work, it is your relationship with Jesus that's gonna get you through. In that difficult marriage, it's the relationship with Jesus that gets you through. And me and my wife can testify to that by holding firm to Jesus, holding firm to his truth and his word. That's the power to get through those difficult moments in our lives. Let's look at Hebrews 4, verses 16. Let's see what it says. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And brothers and sisters, we are always in time of need. So there must be a constant drawing in confidence to the throne of grace and saying, Lord Jesus, more of your grace more of your spirit, more of your love, more of your help, more of your strength to me. And I could imagine, and I believe that that was Joseph. Day after day, very similar to Daniel. Day after day, praying, Lord, more of your grace, more of your favor, more of your strength. And from there, the power in that prison, the power in that perceived failure of being in prison, he had the strength to stand, and God gave him grace to help in time of need. But there's also a responsibility of relationship. When God speaks to you, you have to say it as it is. Joseph said it as it is. He did not sugarcoat it. He did not cover it. He did not truncate it. He did not remove anything from it. He didn't add to He said it as he received it. And there's something about honoring the truth of God's word and saying it as it is. Look in Genesis 40 verses 19. What did it say? In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head, he said to the baker, from you and hang you on a tree and the birds will eat the flesh from you. He literally just said to the butler, you're going to be re- reinstated back. And then straight after he says to the, um, the baker, you're going to get hung. You're going to die. This is a man who says, I fear God more than I fear man. I'm going to tell you what he said because interpretations belong to God. Honor God's word as he speaks to you in relationship with him. When you read his word, his word says what it says. Don't add to it, don't remove from it, but accept it for what it says. There's great life and growth in your relationship with Jesus. Regardless of who he was speaking to, Joseph feared God more than man. I remember at the beginning I said to you about his journey from the pit and all the way to the point of, as we'll find out in the future, Pharaoh's Pharaoh's courts. He was learning not to fear man, why? Because he's gonna stand before the king of Egypt, probably the most powerful man in the world. And he's gonna speak truth regardless. No sugarcoating, no sidestepping. And I really wanna add this. This is not a license to offend. I know people use this as a license to offend people. Well, I'm gonna say the truth. So I'm gonna say that it is and who cares? No, the Bible speaks of having our speech sprinkled with grace and kindness and gentleness. It's not to offend, but to see hearts and minds set free for the power of the word through Christ Jesus. That's the heart is why we speak. So the power in prison is relationship with the Lord, which is constant, which is active, and which is uh, devotional. It's devoted to meeting with the Lord day after day. And in moments you may not, but a heart to want to. Power in your prison. Okay. Now let's move on to the next point. Persistence in prison. Joseph had persistence in prison. Joseph wasn't one to give up. But where can we see Joseph's persistence, his tenacity in prison? Joseph's faith must have been truly tested like never before. The real hope after being in a place of prestige. Potiphar's house, captain of the command of the king's guard. I mean, I don't believe it was a, a one-bedroom flat. Mm-mm. It was beautiful. It must have been expansive. He had his own prison. There was, it was a big piece of land that he must have lived on. It must have been spectacular. It must have it had no thing denied him, no pleasure denied him. And Joseph was over all of it. Then he was wrongfully accused. And then he was sent to prison. And now he's interpreting dreams for other people. Wait one second, Lord, just a quick one. My dream that I had in the land of of the Hebrews, uh, you know, we're still waiting for that to materialize and you want me to then to interpret other people's dreams, but how many of us feel like that? You're seeing other people's destinies being fulfilled and you're helping other people's destinies be fulfilled while it seems like you've been forgotten. That's a voice that rings true in many of us. Guiltless Joseph helps the guilty prisoners. They were guilty. They were supposed to be there but their dreams are gonna happen much quicker. In three days, this is what Pharaoh's gonna do for you. You're gonna be in a position of power and greatness. And I'm gonna be here still? How does that make sense? And I'm guiltless. What a wonderful, beautiful picture of Jesus. We're the guilty. He's the guiltless. He took our place and put us in a place of prestige with the Lord when we put our faith and trust in him. I'm not going into that, but it's a beautiful picture you see there. Jesus through the whole Bible wonderful. And he is there in that picture of being the guiltless savior who saved us from our guilty sin. I want to say this part here, because this is really like, I'm a creative guy, so I like to do stuff, um, make things and create things and whatnot. And you fail a lot, you know, you fail and you're oh, I'm going to make this thing and see how it goes and it doesn't work. You think, okay. But when you really got your heart into something and you really want to see success, you're like, Right, we failed that first time, we're gonna go again, and then you fail again. There's not much quite like failing twice. Man, that hurts. Because the first time, you can kind of explain it away. Oh, maybe it was because of these parameters. But the second time, you start to reflect upon yourself. Like, is it me? What, what, am I not, maybe I'm not talented enough? Or maybe, maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this. Although God said, go ahead, maybe I shouldn't. The second time, when Joseph got put into prison, it was a different taste to when he was in the pit. Because he went from a place of prestige by receiving a coat from his father, into the ditch, to the slave market, to Potiphar's house. Okay, we're good now, we've, we've, we've come from the valley and now we're at the mountaintop. And then he stands against Potiphar's wife and says, no, I will not give you what you desire. And he gets put into prison. You're in a second valley. The second valley tastes different than the first one. There's something about it that just really stings. And the voice, these voices of your mind start to speak about you as your character. You as a person, it's really easy for you to go under. But, I so love the word of God. God's word is filled with many buts. Do, sin, but, Christ. Love it. I love it. So how could Joseph see his dreams materializing? How could he see his family bowing to him? I'm in a the prison. They can't even get in. I can't even get out. How are they going to bow before me? I can't see it. And sometimes we too can feel disappointed in our lives when our expectations seem to be drowned out. Drowned out by failure, the second failure. I oh, felt again. Oh, I'm tired. But Lord, you tell me to get up and go again, to go again? And he says, yes, go again. Because your hope is not in your talent or your ability. Your hope is in the Lord. You see, the word that God gave to Joseph from before is what kept Joseph going. It wasn't Joseph's ability or talent. Clearly he had it. They put him in charge of many things, you know, from Potiphar's house to the prison. He he was put in charge. It's because God's favor, because God gave him a word and God was faithful to see it through. Do not put your faith into your talent or creativity or what you can do. Put it into God's faithfulness because he is faithful and he will remain faithful until the end. Amen. Let's let's look in James um, 1, verses 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him." It's a promise. I can imagine that's Joseph right there. Blessed the man who stands firm on the trial. I'm in prison. I shouldn't be here. I have every right to, 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 to make a plea against it. He didn't go through the court system. Poor for took him and just threw him in prison. He, there was no due diligence. I have no right to be here. But he said, no, I will stand firm under the trial and test of whatever is around me that I may be found right before God, that I may be tested before God. This is what these small micro prisons are for, is to test you, refine you, and to give you the skills you need to stand as a believer in a wicked world. It refines you. It smooths you out. It, it may, Mark said this to me one time. He's like, Charles, these, these small um, situations you have in life, what, these, what you're dealing with is there's corners. And, it, and it's to sand it out, to sand you down, to smooth you out. There's normal corners that cause like offense or, you know, uh, 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 antagonism or contentions or quarrelsome. It smooths you out. God is using that circumstance to smooth you out. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast. Brothers and sisters, remain steadfast in your trial. Remain steadfast in your test. Remain steadfast in the difficulty and prisons of your life. God's favor is on you. Your journey is just as important as your destination. It's not about getting to where you are by any means necessary. Mm -mm. That's what the world does because they don't have peace. We have peace in Jesus Christ to know that through our journey, he is with us in the midst of our troubles. God is with you. As he brings us to heaven, he's working out a far greater purpose in us. And he was doing so with Joseph. Be persistent. Stand the test of your trial. And God is working it out. And I know sometimes it may be like, I don't want to to get another job. Let's escape this. Mm -mm. Stand firm. God has spoken to you specifically. This is not to stay in somewhere where he's told you to get out of. No, no, no. If he's told you, brought you somewhere specifically, stand firm in him. And his favor is upon you. Amen. Okay. Let's go to our next point. Purpose in prison. Genesis 40, verses 14. Only remember me when it is well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh and so get me out of this house. It's an unusual thing for Joseph to say. Why is he saying that for? He's in prison. Stop getting out of there. Why, why are you asking somebody to put in a word for you? No, you should stay where you are. Now nah, Joseph wasn't wired that way. Joseph knew the God in whom he believed and the truth in which God told him way before prison. He knew I'm not supposed to be here. So there's opportunities and moments I'm going to take and speak into just as if God is creating a way out in that place. It was easy for Joseph to think, man, I messed up. I messed up that Potiphar's house job. I was in such a place of power and prestige and position. Maybe I shouldn't mess up this one. Now that voice is very familiar, isn't it? To us. He may have said last time, I made a stand for what was right, and I got demoted to prison. How many times have we been in a position of favorableness? And you know that this is not where God fully wants you to be. And something happens to threaten that position, especially when standing stand for righteousness in this kind of world that we live in. And you give in, and you cave, or you fold, or you have those voices like, if I speak out, I won't get that promotion. Or if I say that, they won't invite me, or hmm, I won't get that promotion or that that, that that increase in finances. Maybe I should just keep my faith to myself and not say anything. Called, I don't want to be demoted. I don't want to be pushed aside. I don't want to be ostracized. I don't want to be excluded. It's a familiar voice, isn't it? In the prisons of our life, in these places we find ourselves, it's a very familiar voice. But look at Joseph's response. I'm not saying he said those things in his mind, but just trying to understand is being a human myself and being prone to doubt. These are things he could have said to himself. I'm sure I would have said them to myself. Joseph's response is different. He makes the request, he puts in the word of the butler and says, have a word with Pharaoh. Why? Because prison is not your final destination. You're just passing through. Don't set up shop, don't get pictures for the wall, don't lay laminate, you're passing through. Your difficult circumstance may be hard, but it won't last. Grief, losing a loved one, difficult. How am I going to go on, Lord? I've lost somebody so close to me. How can I consistently go on? It hurts. feels like suffering. I'm trying to get a leg up here, Lord, and the cost of living is hard. And they refuse to increase my salary. How can I continue? And I don't even like the place anyway. (laughs) We can have these familiar voices in our heart, can't we? Difficult circumstances may be hard, but they won't last. It's a beautiful, beautiful, comforting psalm. To anyone who may be feeling this way today, Psalms 30, verses 5. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. And that, Joseph? Favor for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You know, the night may last, but the sun will rise. The, 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 Lord, I know that there will be a morning because your word tells me to. Joseph knew there was a morning. Put in a word for Pharaoh that maybe, Lord, God's going to cause something there because my hope is still alive. My purpose is still alive because God's word is still alive in me. His truth is still alive in me. I won't give in because I know he has told me this is not the destination. My, 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 they're going to bow before me. This is not the destination. He kept his purpose alive through clinging to God's word. And let us cling to God's word. Weeping, sorrow may last for a night. The, the joy of the Lord is your strength will come in the morning. It will be there. Hallelujah. Praise God. There is a danger, though. There is a danger that we can make our our place, our current home in prison. And when we think about the lives that we live in, the places where we are, we we start to, again, as I made the analogy before, we start to set up shop. Uh, I guess this is where we are. We might as well just put up with it. We might as well just cope. Let's make our home here. Easily Joseph could have done that. Oh, look, all these guys look up to me. The, the prisoner, the guard, doesn't even look into what I do. Literally, this is my land. Let me just be happy with this. Mm-mm. He didn't make his home there. He put in requests. He knew there was a future. 1 Peter 2, verses 11. And the word of God this is where our foundation. is. Beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles, as pilgrims, to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Abstain from the things that's gonna cause you to set up home and be like, oh, it's all here. This is the final pleasure of our souls. My friends, it is not the glory of heaven, the wonders of being with Jesus forever. That's our destiny. Amen. Amen. So, two real points in this. Purpose in prison, I really want you to grasp here. The first purpose for us as believers is Jesus will return. And you know, like sometimes as Christians, we're going to be set up, set up home, with families and live life and work and so forth, ambitions and dreams and so forth. And we kind of just forget that Jesus is going to return. <laughs> That's what Revelation speaks of, Thessalonians and parts of Matthew speak of. Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for his bride, his people, the church. Revelations 21.4. This is what speaks to the sorrow and the hardships that we face today. The prisons, these little micro-prisons that we all have. That we're suffer, sometimes we are suffering, sometimes difficult skills to be learned. Whatever it may be. He says in Revelations 21.4 this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the form of things which we're living now has passed away. That's the promise when the Lord returns. No more pain, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying. That's the hope of Jesus returning. That's the overarching purpose in which is placed within us in His Holy Spirit. We don't need to give up in these micro prisons of our life and these difficulties that we face, where we can hold to the truth of what God's Word says, the future to come for us as believers in Christ Jesus. But we are living here. We are doing day to days. What about your God-given dream? Within that overarching truth of one day, the marriage supper of the Lamb and being with Jesus, (laughs) there's these micro challenges that we face in between in in a world that's very difficult. And I want to say, during your journey, hold to the scripture. So re-encouraging one to myself. It really teaches me how to have a right heart before the Lord. It's Psalms 37, verses 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It, doesn't that sum up Joseph? He delighted himself in the Lord, and he got the desires of his heart. The What God gave to him from before in that dream. He delighted himself with the Lord. He was concerned with following after God's kingdom. He was concerned in making sure in ministry he kept at it, even though his dream seemed like it wasn't going to happen. He delighted himself in the Lord. Tell me the dream, because their interpretation belongs to the Lord, and I will tell you what he says. That was a relationship. That's delighting yourself in the Lord's relationship. I delight myself in my wife. She's a wonderful woman. It's a relationship. Enjoy, love. Be, be, of, be of one accord with the Lord. It's beautiful. Marriage is a reflection of our relationship with Jesus, the church. Amen. Amen. Brilliant. The word is good, isn't he? It? So good. His word is life and light. We have no need to fear in the light of Christ. Let's conclude. Let's conclude. We remind ourselves of those simple points that have been made from before, just to keep our minds fresh. First position. We are sometimes placed in unfavorable positions, but we must trust in the grace of God. Learn to depend on His provisions for you. Trust and obey. I'm not a great singer, but when I was growing up, I grew up in a Baptist church, and they used to love to sing hymns. And there's one my mom used to sing to me: "Trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey." Wow! Yeah, that's real. Next one is power, power in your prison. Your ability to trust and depend is solely based upon how deep your relationship is with God. I had this analogy of, if, if, um, i got three other people in my house, my son, my daughter, my wife. If somebody bought me a present from one of those three and left it on the table, I could probably 95% of the chance guess who got me the present. By the way, it's wrapped by its place, the time of the day, all of those things coming together, I could be like, this person got me this. Why? Because of my individual relationship with each one of them. I know them very well. And I believe the same thing is how we need. The deeper we know the Lord, the more we know who he is, how he works, what he says, what his promises are, and we can hold to that. And start today. Start by prayer. Study in the word of God. These are the key ways to grow deeper, in your relationship with Jesus. That's where the Spirit bears witness, at the Word and in prayer. That's where your power as the Christian lies, in the Word and in prayer. His Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It shows you where you're standing, it tells you where you're going. Persistence, persistence in prison. We can't give up ministry for Jesus. Though we're in the difficulties of life and the hardships of life, we must continue. Even though our dreams are not yet realized, we must continue to love others, care for others, help others, lift up others, win souls, share the truth of His Word with others. Be about the Father's business and let Him work out the overarching plot of your life. Keep working in environments, even though they're Antichrist-type environments, and people that don't want to know about Jesus. Keep firm to it. Think about Nehemiah building that wall. Sambalat on the on the outskirts trying to throw him off his game. Antichrist environment. it's like, no, I will build this wall because I want to see the people of God worship God in Jerusalem. It's amazing. And the final one on purpose. Never forget your given destiny. The things God has spoken to you. Don't forget it. My wife is good at this. She writes things down. I'm a a computer guy. So my computer's not open. It doesn't get written down. So all the dreams and things that God gives me, I'm like, oh, I forgot. I don't remember. And that is to my deficit. Because in time of difficulty and hardship, which I have a lot of, I forget. And I'm like, what did God say? But by his grace, he tells me again. By his grace, he restores me again. So I need to practice to write things down and pray over them. And remember, your dream is an investment for King Jesus. He's returning, and that's our great hope. When he returns, let us have an investment for the King. We worked through these micro